0: This is Pastor Chadwick King. I hope you enjoy the ministry of God's Holy Word today provided by the Promise Center Media Ministry. Please share this lesson or sermon with your friends and family. And may the Lord bless you. Hey guys, I'm assuming you're applauding because you realize I only have three pages of notes. So, Man, um, it is my honor to uh, be here tonight. I always appreciate Wednesday nights. It feels a lot like family. And um, I am not pastor, but uh, I do have a little thing that I did want to uh, share that has been on my heart. And uh, like I said, I only have three pages of notes, so I promise I won't keep you for too long. But I'm going to be reading from Second uh, Timothy 2 verse 20, and uh, this is the message version. And it simply says this, "In a well-furnished kitchen, there are not only crystal goblets and silver platters, but waste cans and compost buckets." Some containers used to serve fine meals, others to take out the garbage. Become the kind of container God can use to present any and every kind of gift to his guest for their blessing. And I want to just talk about this thought, uh, cracked mirrors and dirty vessels. Would you just pray with me? Father, we honor your presence that we feel here. Thank you for this opportunity to gather together. God, I pray that your word would speak to us. Open our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I find that there's this mistake that we have a tendency as humans to make, that we tend to make judgments based on what we currently see or what our current perspective is. We we oftentimes think that things are the way they're supposed to be because that is the way that we currently see them. And if I could explain this, I, I recently had a conversation with someone and they were talking to me how warped their... Uh, their view and their perspective of marriage was. It was so distorted because up until the fact that they begin to attend church, they had never seen what a healthy marriage looked like. So therefore, when they, when they saw the, the marriages full of dysfunction and, and, and on this trouble, they just assumed that that was what a normal uh, marriage looks like. They had based what they thought was it was intended purpose based on just how it happened uh, to be. And if I could take this, this metaphor uh, just one step further, if we could somehow you know, transform somebody from a different era here and the first vehicle that they ever saw was this car and it had bald tires and duct tape windows and the mirrors were hanging off, uh, they, they might make the mistake because they had no context of thinking that was what the car was supposed to look like and, and not understand that this was just a product of Of time and abuse and I I do want to say the disclaimer if you're thinking oh shoot he must have seen me drive up tonight Um, I promise I'm not judging anyone I've been there I have felt your pain I promise Uh, but it really in order to to understand what something is supposed to look like we have to go back to the point of creation if we really want to see what that vehicle was supposed to look like we would have to go back to the the moment in which it was created And the same thing can be said of humanity. If we are truly going to understand how we are supposed to look, then we have to go back to the story of creation. And I didn't read the text because it's a Wednesday night. I, I assume many are familiar with it. If not, I would encourage you to go back and read the first few chapters of Genesis. But when we read about the story of God creating humanity... We find that not only is man made in God's image, that God began to mold him and shape him as a reflection of who he was and uh, of his character, but, but we find that when God forms man, he begins to breathe the breath of life in him, and that man literally was a vessel and a container for the breath and the spirit and the word of God. There is this image, this reflection, there is this vessel, but of course, you know, we have this sin problem and, you know, there's this great debate. Was it Adam's fault or was it Eve's fault? Uh, I think we have established that it was, in fact, Adam's fault. Uh, all the women say amen on that. And, and there's, this, there's this breaking of our reflection. All of a sudden, uh, we're, we are, are cracked reflections and broken reflections. And there's, there's this staining of sin and I, I think that David said it best in Psalm 51 and 5, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And all of a sudden, now upon creation, we are broken, we're, we're, we're marred, we're disfigured, if you will. And it's crazy because when you look at the world, you, you see how brokenness begats brokenness, how You know, they say hurting people hurt people, and not only are we broken and skewered from the moment we are conceived, but oftentimes we are hurt and broken and shattered by other people's actions and other people's words, and you have this fact where we are in this crazy state of being. And I think it's so important to understand that this is our default. This is our default uh, expression that we are not Christ-like just kind of by nature. And I think it's important because, you know, because of the gospel, what we're justified, and when Jesus paid the price, we were redeemed from sin, and there's a covering that we have in his righteousness. And when we put our faith in Jesus, we're justified. I love what Paul says. He says that God justified the ungodly. It has nothing to do with who we are. But just because we are justified and just because we are saved and just because we are covered does not change the fact that we are broken mirrors and dirty vessels, that there's issues in our character, that there are flaws in us, and that there are changes that are going to need to happen. Uh, There are kind of these two errors that stem from the same idea, the same focus in our behavior, because uh, we tend to focus on what we do and not who we are. And on one side of the coin, we make the mistake of focusing on everything we do wrong, all of our mistakes. And, you know, have you ever been there where you're, you're, you're constantly trying to change a behavior pattern and you seem to fail over and over and over because that behavior pattern is coming through, uh, it, it's stemming from who you are, an area of brokenness. And we think, well, if I can just, you know, change what I'm doing, then I, then I can become who God wants me to be. And God always reverses and says, well, if I, you allow me to change you into who you ought to be, then you will change the way you behave, and we, we kind of get this backwards. But Christians are also very bad at doing the opposite. And they begin to focus on everything that they are doing right, and they say, okay, well, I, I have all this good behavior. I'm, I'm attending church, and I'm, I'm reading my Bible, and I, and I have all these things right. And they begin to ignore certain areas of who they are, that are broken and marred, and there's still a lack of true reflection of Christ's character. And here's the deal, I believe with all my heart that our faith has nothing to do with behavior modification. I don't think that Christianity is about changing what we do. I believe that Christianity is about changing who we are. It's about God changing our very nature, not our behavior, but who we are uh, at, at the core. And there's this issue because uh, character is not conditional, but our behavior is. And oftentimes, how we behave and how we act is very conditional on the context of where we are. And this is why we cannot focus on simply what we do. I think of the story of Peter, uh, who... While everything was kind of going well, and, and he's with Jesus and his disciples, he's, he's this proud disciple, this proud uh, member of this elite group, and uh, he's no doubt uh, trying to, to, to uh, magnify the fact of how close he is to Jesus. But what happens when the scenario changes? What happens when the people turn against Jesus, and now he's in the context of people that hate Jesus? Now all of a sudden, his behavior is different. Now his language is different. He begins to lie and act differently and say, I have nothing to do this. Because his character couldn't withstand the temptation and the fire. So his behavior begins to change based on the environment. And we are so good at this. We, We say, okay, well, I'm a Christian. But our Christianity is based on how our day is going. Our Christianity is based on uh, who we happen to be with at that given time and day, and I have seen people who are so good at acting one way, and then when you change an environment, you ever, like, catch somebody in, like, a different environment, and they didn't realize you were there, and you're watching them, and you're like, is this the same person? (laughs) Very different, because it's a behavioral, their behavior changes, but who they are does not change we cannot judge ourselves based on our behavior we must be willing to uh, examine ourselves based on who we actually are uh, you know we can there are many christians who will love you as long as you agree with them and and, and you may be the perfect example of loving your wife as christ loved the church so long as she doesn't start nagging at you. He, we, we, we get conditional, and it's, it's not about what we're doing. It's the fact that God needs to change a core part of who we are. I, I, it was, I want to say, Monday night or Tuesday night, around 10.30 p.m., and uh, I had this strange craving for pancakes. It was very weird. I don't, I don't, it just popped in my head, and I was uh, somewhat restless, so I found myself... Um, at Denny's at like 11 o'clock at night <coughs> eating pancakes by myself um, and you know I I used to work uh, for that particular Denny's for, for several years actually it was a part of my trying process but that's a story for another day um, but they had recently had a remodel and they had you know put the nice like foyer and all the stones and uh, you know, the windows looked real nice. And, you know, on the wall, there was, like, these statements, like, family, fun, and food. And I was just looking around, and I'm like, you know, it doesn't matter what they look like. And it doesn't matter what they say. I'm still eating at Denny's. Like, this is, this is Denny's. <laughs> like, you're not fooling anyone. This, this is not Cheesecake Factory. And <laughs> they're, they're trying so hard to, to portray an image and to, to, to explain who they are, but the problem is it doesn't match up with who they actually are. But we, we, we do this. We try so hard to portray like this image of who we are and to say who we are, but it doesn't always actually reflect our true character. And the truth is this, that we can, we can become very good at fooling the people close to us, but you can't fool God. And at some point, we have to rectify this difference between our behavior and what is actually uh, happening uh, inside of us. I want to kind of, let me just say this. If I could, if, if you have missed everything I have said up to this point and missed everything after this point, I just want you to grab onto one statement. Like, I'm going to hinge my entire message, I I like to always narrow it down to one sentence, uh, just in case there's ADD people like me. Uh, Let me hinge this entire thought process on this fact, that what God can do through you will be incredibly impacted by what you allow God to do in you. What, What God is able to do through you is going to be impacted by what kind of vessel you are, by what kind of reflection of Christ you are. And and if we don't come to terms with what is going inside, we can dream big, but God will not be able to operate through us the way that he really wants to because we will be be tainted by this. Uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians 2 says this, God tested us thoroughly to make sure we were qualified to be trusted with this message. Be assured that when we speak to you, we are not after crowd approval, only God approval. Since we've been put through the battery of tests, you're guaranteed that both we and the message are free of error, mixed motives, or hidden agendas. We never use words to butter you up. No one knows that better than you. And God knows we never use words as a smokescreen to take advantage of you. Even though we had some standing as Christ's apostles, we never threw our weight around or tried to come across as important with you or anyone else. We weren't aloof with you. We took you just as you were. You were never patronizing, never condescending, but we cared for you the way a mother cares for her children. We loved you dearly, not content to just pass on the message. We wanted to give you our hearts, and we did. You remember us in those days, friends, working our fingers to the bone, up half the night, moonlighting so that you wouldn't have the burden of supporting us while we proclaimed God's message to you. You saw with your own eyes how discreet and courteous we were among you, with keen sensitivity to you as fellow believers, and God knows we weren't freeloaders." You experienced it all firsthand. With each of you, we were like a father with his child, holding your hand, whispering encouragement, showing your step-by-step how to live well before God who calls us into his own kingdom, into this delightful life. Last verse. And now we look back on all this and thank God, an artisan well of thanks. When you got the message of God we preached, you didn't pass it off as just one more human opinion, but you took it to heart as God's true word to you, which is God himself at work in you, believers. I wanted to read this passage because Paul is talking about this missions trip that he took with, I believe it's Silas and Timothy. And it's clearly an effective trip. Uh, They they clearly were effective in their ministry. But he, he makes a couple connections because he begins to say, look, guys, we were effective. But the reason why we were effective was had everything to do with who we were. Because when we were coming to you, there were no mixed motives. There were no hidden agendas. There was no impurity into what we were doing. And then he makes this connection and says, who we were was a direct process of what we allowed God to do in us. There was a process that they had to go through. There was a purifying that they had to go to. But in doing so, God was able to remove those things that were going to, to contaminate what he would want to do, contaminate his word, contaminate his spirit. And in doing so, they step into uh, this effective ministry. I, I think of this. Um, have you ever like gone and uh, you make this assumption that when you go to your cupboards and you, and you, you pull out a glass, you, you know, you think like, well, that's a clean glass, right? And, and have you ever gone, you know, maybe you pour yourself a glass of water, and as you are tilting it back to drink, you know, you are met with this, you know, debris on the bottom of your glass, <laughs> and you, you, you all of a sudden realize that that glass, your roommate had done a poor job, nothing personal, uh, of, of cleaning. And, and all of a sudden, now the, the, the vessel has contaminated. Now maybe you're one of those people um, that decides to drink it anyway. Me personally, I don't want anything to do with that. And again, it's this issue. We 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 have to be able to remove some things from ourselves if we are to properly communicate the gospel. Uh, the world does not need um, opinionated Christians with big mouths and small hearts. The, the, the world needs Christians who have spent enough time with Christ to be able to uh, reflect his character. The, the truth is this, that our faith cannot be hypothetical. Like, our faith has to be transformational. And, and what good does it, what, what good is it to us? If we step into this place and we raise our hands and we worship God and we experience his presence and you know, every time pastor preaches the word, we're like, amen, but we go back, and we have never dealt with some things, and then we operate in dysfunction. It's crazy to me. It's crazy to me because I've seen people be so ugly in defending the gospel. Isn't that ironic? Have you ever seen that? They're they're, they're defending what's right, but the manner in which they are conducting that is completely wrong. And it's so possible to be completely right and be totally wrong. And if we're not careful, you know, one of the greatest revealers of true character is how we treat others and their mistakes and their wrongdoings. It's easy. It's easy. Jesus said it like this. There's no reward for loving somebody who loves you. But the challenge is this. How do we treat people that are our enemies? And, and the same could be said. Uh, it, it's so easy to love and to be close to people who look like us and sound like us. But the true test of character is how do we operate and how do we behave with people that don't look like us? That, that, that don't behave like us, that maybe don't agree with us. This is the test of character. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 16 says this, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Now, the truth is that God sent his son to redeem us and to purchase us. But God sent his spirit to, to sanctify us. And there is a process by which God begins to bring his image, that reflection that has been cracked, that, that, that vessel that once was pure and has been damaged by sin. And he's going to try to purify that image. There's this great temptation I think in our faith, that we can forever be unsatisfied with all the issues of the exterior. And we can complain about uh, our government and our leaders and, you know, the way the world is going and our jobs and, uh, you know, just, just all these issues of life, forever unsatisfied trying to rectify these things, all the while completely content with who we are. Somehow blind to what is going inside of us. And I believe that the call of discipleship and the call to follow Jesus has everything to do with us taking our eyes of what is happening in the exterior. What everyone else is doing and, and, and being willing to look inside of ourselves and examine ourselves. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5 says this. Test yourselves to make sure that you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. I could preach just on that scripture. Do something about it. You know, true faith is when we are willing to examine ourself. True faith is when we're willing to begin to deal with these issues of of brokenness and these issues that we carry, because oftentimes, let's admit it, it's much easier to kind of just cover things up. It's much easier to kind of cover our issues up in behavior patterns, and it's much easier to focus on everything we're doing right than to deal with these things that are are, are sometimes painful, sometimes wounds and products of, of Uh, of years of actions and years of decisions. I love what David said, and he's quotable, the Psalms. Psalms 51.10 says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And what a posture to take to, to really be able to assess yourself and say, God, somehow... Like, you have to change what's happening right here. Not just help me to, to attend church on the weekends, not just, you know, help me to get my 20 minutes of Bible reading in, but God, help to change the way I act and react and respond to the things I encounter every day. That this wouldn't be about exhibiting certain behaviors in certain contexts, but that my character would be sounds. My God, I, I don't want the way I behave and the way I, cha- uh, I, I act to change based on my current context. James chapter 1. I'm going to land the plane. Uh, James chapter 1 verse 2 says this. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. And I would love to ignore this scripture completely. I really would. It's because we say, you know, there, there's this dangerous thing, prayer that we can make. The one I just suggested is, is God changed because so often... Uh, God has a unique way of sculpting us, a unique way of molding us, and and that is uh, usually by the things that we encounter. And and so oftentimes, the things that are happening to us and to you are a reflection of what God is trying to do in you. And we have this choice of how we respond to these tests and these trials and these things that life puts in our hands. Because a lot of times, we just kind of hit the repeat over and over. You know, it's like, well, this is the 300th time this has happened to me, but I haven't figured out what's going on, so I'm just going to respond the same way. You know, I'm just going to choose the same option over and over. And at some points, we have to be willing to embrace what God is doing. When 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 I think of Jesus and his character and who he was, I think the purest image of him wasn't when he was walking through Jerusalem and people were waving palm branches and saying Hosanna. The purest image of Jesus to me is when he was on the cross because at the, the, the very worst moment, he's still speaking life. At the very worst moment, he's still, he's still caring for and tending for humanity, and that is the test. That is the test. Uh, Everyone here, um, if you have no problems in your life, raise your hands. (laughs) That's what I thought. You know, we we, we have these things that we face, but, man, I believe that everything we go through is this opportunity and to begin to reflect God's character. Man, I, I look at our nation right now, I'm not a political person. I'm really not. Uh, I, I don't. I don't even want to take sides. I'm like, I don't even know. I don't even know what the answer is. But I know that opinions aren't the answer. I know that at some point, like the church has to be able to say, like, let me just show you what love looks like. Let's 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 put everything aside and let me show you what it means to be a reflection of Christ. And. That, Uh, I think this, and Mario, you can you can come on up uh, if you like. I, I, I think that I don't know what I think. I lost my train of thought. <coughs> <laughs> Gotta be honest sometimes. <laughs> Last thought. Uh, Solomon. I think of Solomon, and, and he's he's going to these great lengths to build and design and create what would be the temple, this place where the spirit and the presence of God would dwell. And when you read, you see about the crazy detail. He's so intentional. He's so incredibly intentional about making sure that this place where God said he was going to dwell is perfect. He wasn't sloppy about it. He, he, he wasn't cheap about it. He didn't go and just grab any material. But like it was expensive to him, but he was willing to pay it. And he was willing to take the time to do it right, to create this environment and this place where, where God's pure spirit could dwell. But the Bible says that we are the temple of God. So... I think the call is to be every bit as intentional as Solomon. Are we intentional about working on ourselves about dealing with these these things? Is it just a behavior thing? I'm gonna kind of you know swap a few behaviors, but really there's this stuff that is lurking in me that the Word of God comes in me, but by the time I make it back home when I start talking to my my spouse, all of a sudden, I, I don't look or sound anything like Jesus. Where I, I lift my hands and I worship, but when I interact with my children, all of a sudden I look and sound nothing like Jesus. Where I you know, attend Starting Point and I attend church on the weekends and I come on a midweek service, but my coworkers would have no idea what my faith truly is because I look nothing like Jesus. And, and all of a sudden when God's trying to work through me, It's skewered and contaminated by my own motives, by my own philosophies, by my own ideas, my own opinions, my own dreams. And now I am contaminating everything that God is trying to do in and through me because I didn't take the time to work on myself. And I just, I guess, wanted to give, if anything, myself a reminder and you just listen to a 30-minute conversation with myself. Um, But, man, I want to be better. I don't want to just go through patterns on on, on weekends and and midweek services. I I, I want to, man, I I had a conversation recently, and it was one of the hardest conversations I've ever had because it it was with somebody that I, I, I cared for a lot, and um, they were making a very poor decision, and it was wrong, and I know it's wrong. And I had to like rectify this because it, in my heart, I want to just come down with the ax and say, you're an idiot. What are you doing? And I just felt God trying to teach me, look, you, you, you have to love like me. This isn't about being right. This isn't about what you do. This is about who you are. Can you carry what I am doing? We could stand to our feet. It's Wednesday night and um, don't plan on doing a long drawn out altar call but I just thought maybe we could do this. I thought maybe we could say a prayer and um, then we could sing a song. I just challenge you to and you leave this place to maybe think less about what you're doing and think a little bit more about what God is actually making you. Would you bow your heads? Father, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for the cross. Thank you for the price that was paid for each and every one of us. God, I know that you are building and forming a church called the promise center this place called sonoma county god i know that the world is desperately in need of real people that reflect you god i pray that you would raise up leaders god workers missionaries god disciples that reflect your character God, I pray that you would help us, Lord, not to just cover up our issues, not to pretend that they're not there, but, God, to face the pain and to face the frustration and to deal with who we are. God, I pray that your spirit would be active and alive and working in each one of our lives, God. God, that you would begin to mold and you would begin to shape your character back in us because, quite frankly, Lord, God, we want to look like you. God, I pray that every conversation we have, whether it be in a sanctuary or in a hallway or at the workplace, God,